Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Look for AZ Adopt Podcast. Here on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption, we welcome various viewpoints and voices, and the opinions of the guests we talk to don't necessarily represent those of Birth Mother Matters in Adoption, its hosts, or its staff, or those of Building Arizona families, employees, or staff. Today, we're going to get to hear from a lovely young birth mother who placed her baby for adoption with Building Arizona Families recently this summer. She's going to talk about her experience placing her baby for adoption and how she was able to break the cycle for her son. Today, we have one of our clients that worked with us to place her baby for adoption with Building Arizona Families. And Lexi, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, I I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to do that. I think you have a lot of words and wisdom that a lot of people can learn from you. Okay. And so (laughs) can you talk to me a little bit about your adoption experience? At first, it was scary. I was scared, you know. Um, I was more upset with myself, I guess, because I put myself in a situation that I wasn't able to take care of. And I like to be able to be in control of everything and be able to handle everything. So it was like overwhelming, I guess you can say. But the people that I was able to work with helped me, you know, and made me comfortable enough to be able to be okay with my, my decision, my choice that I made. What are some things as kind of walk us through like the thought process? So you you went through your pregnancy and you had your adoption plan. And you had chosen the adoptive family for your baby. Mm-hmm. And what was that like for you? At first it was hard, I guess. Because, um, I mean, like, how it was given to me, like, a little small book of each family. You know, it's not really, like, it wasn't easy, you know, because I wasn't able to talk to them. I didn't see their home. I didn't get to go actually meet them and get to know them for a long period of time, you know. So I was scared. But, I mean... After seeing pictures and everything and learning a little bit about them and talking to them on the phone, I guess it was easier. I had to sleep on it, but it was e- I, I think I, like it was easier to make my decision that way. Okay. And after you were matched and you had talked with them like the first or second time, did you start to find peace in your decision? Yes, yes. 
And then you had the baby a little bit early, right? Yes, just a little bit. (laughs) And then you were at the hospital and continued with your adoption plan. Is there anything about that that you think is unique or stood out for you as as an important part of your adoption story? Not really. I mean, I don't think that anything was stood out. My my hospital experience was horrible, but um, no, um, I wouldn't say that. No, I didn't. I didn't talk to them at the hospital because I don't. Um, I don't like the way I looked. I don't like the way I felt. You know, I didn't want them to see me. Like, were you afraid that they were going to judge you? Yeah. Yeah. That is a really common fear that a lot of birth mothers do have that they're afraid that they are going to be judged. And I can tell you after doing this for so long that, that adoptive families really don't judge. They're so grateful and so appreciative of what you're doing that they really don't. But I understand that you want to look your best and feel your best when, when you are talking with them. (laughs) So when you said that you had a horrible experience at the hospital, what made it horrible? It's the fact that I felt like there was interest in me, like, as far as, like, you know, my, I live in a situation, like, being, like, drugs and things like that, and I just, like, I was treated like, like, somebody off the streets, you know, not somebody that just had a baby, you know. Okay, you're talking about the hospital staff, right? Right, right, right. And I do remember that you, you know, I I did see you in the hospital, and I, I do, I do kind of know what you're talking about, and yeah, I think that that was, that was hard. That must have been very hard for you. Um, yeah, and I felt like as soon as they knew, like, I was getting my baby up for adoption, I think that I just whisked the baby away, and I felt like I wasn't treated like that's my baby, like, you know, like, like you know, usually, like, when you have your baby, you keep your baby, like, you want to mm-hmm. see the baby, you want to bring the baby to see you, I didn't get any of that, so... And that's really, really unusual. I I haven't seen that happen. Maybe the nurses weren't communicating very well with each other, or, you know, maybe the baby needed some extra medical attention to where he had to stay in in a special nursery. Maybe that was a part of it. I'm not sure. After you got out of the hospital, I know, and, and he got out of the hospital. I know you got to have a visit with him. What was that like? That was great, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I needed that peace, you know. And on my first walk, I remember we had our meeting at Starbucks, and I was running a little bit late. I was nervous. Like, you know, I was scared. I cried a little bit because, like, you know, I didn't want to get to the point where, like, they left with him and I freaked out. So it took me a little while. But I was able to bring my sister with me, which helped a lot. So when I walked into Starbucks, I seen the adoptive mom holding the baby, and it, it gave me peace, I guess you can say, because he was okay, you know, he looked okay, he was, he was clean, he smelled good, he was, <laughs> and he, and it's kind of weird, though, like, my son looks like, a little bit, so, okay, he's going to be okay, he's good. Yeah. I heard from our worker that was there with you that that visit was really special for everybody there. She said that she got really emotional as well, just watching everybody come together and that you have a really strong connection, I guess, with the uh, adoptive parents. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. They actually, everything that, you know, that I mentioned to them or I talk about with them, they listen to me, you know what I mean? Like things that I want, they they do that. Like, so it was good, you know? Very good. Yeah. And one of the main reasons that I wanted you to come on the podcast and, and talk to our, our listeners is what happened with your family after you got out of the hospital and you placed the baby for adoption. And I'd love for you to share what happened with your family and what your take on it really is. So I guess afterwards, my family was, were 
they were mean, I guess, to me about it. Like, they were not supportive at all. They thought that I made a bad decision that, based on my race, that it wasn't a decision that I should have made. Like, Can you tell our listeners what your race is so that they, they can follow? Yeah, yeah I'm African-American. I'm black. Okay, go ahead. So they felt like I made a, a white decision, like a white person decision, which is like, like, what does that mean? Because my son is white, you know, his dad's white. So it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, so I, it hurt, you know, not to be able to have my mom or my dad or my brothers, anybody there, you know, for my family to have, like, you know, to care or even to want to be a part of, of my, of, of my, my choice. So, like, my mother felt like I made a horrible decision. She didn't want any pictures of my son. She didn't want anything to do with my son or me. So it was horrible, you know? Still kind of bad, you know? I still haven't spoken to them. I think my son is, like, he's, like, one month now. And so it still doesn't, I don't have that support from them. Like, if I try to call, they don't answer my phone calls or return my text messages. So it hurts, you know? Yeah, of course. And hopefully that will change as, as time goes on. When they said that that was you know, a white person's decision, what does that really mean? Like, break that down for us. So I guess it, it means that, like, I, I made a decision, like, if I was a white person, and which really doesn't even make any sense to me, to you, you know, to be able to tell you what, what that means. I don't know what that means to me because I, I don't racist in any way. I wasn't raised that way. So it was kind of like shocking to hear my mom say something like that to me, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, what does that mean? He's white, so <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. My, my, my boyfriend, my, my child's father is white, and she, like, loves him. Like, they laugh and joke and talk on the phone all the time. Like, she sees him, she hugs him, kisses him, like, he's her son. So it's like, what the heck, is, where is this coming from, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't get it at all. So when, when your family kind of decided to, to not support you and, you know, anytime a woman places a baby for adoption, there is that possibility that she does grieve, you know, for, for the loss of the baby and the choices that she knew were best to make, but they were still really hard and that doesn't make it you know, any easier. And so not having your family there, I'm sure what, you know, is, is difficult. And the, the family that you chose to adopt the baby is white Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, is that part of the reason that your mother or father or whoever was unhappy with their choice because it was with a white family? Um, I don't think that that's, that's probably, it is um, part of it, but I don't think that's the majority of it. I just think they felt like, you know, you know maybe you could be right. Maybe they probably would have been better with it if the, if the, if the, if the parents are black, but if they're black, it probably wouldn't even have been a decision that I would have made. I wouldn't have chosen my son to go with a black family at all. I find that so interesting that you said that because you told me that in the office. And mm-hmm. would you be willing to share with the listeners why you said that? And, and the reason I'm asking you these questions is because we have a lot of African-American birth mothers. And this is not an uncommon thing that you're saying. I, I've heard little bits and pieces of it in, you know, in the past and you are such a strong person that in a lot of ways, I think you can be their voice for those that are not as strong or brave enough to speak out like you are. 
And the more we can educate people and help people understand, the better we can do as a society and the more normal adoption will become and the more accepted. So why did you specifically not want a black family? Well, for one, my son is is black too, you know, and um, I just felt like there's, I'm, I mean, I'm like a comfortable black family, and I know that goes on with the black family. And I don't want my son to experience anything that I had to experience growing up, as far as you know, there's a lot of um, how can I say it is like um, a lot of things that go on in the world that we're all familiar with that like. That happened when, you know, by being black, I can say. Like a lot of disadvantages and things that we don't get because of black. I didn't want my son to, you know, be subject to, I want it, like, you know, like my family, you go to my family, listen to music, everything's black. Everybody that comes to the station is going to be black. No diversity. I don't need to hear no country music, no rock, no nothing like that. So I wanted my son to be able to be able to explore everything, you know, like, college-wise, when my sister's cousin, everybody's going to college, I was being black, black, black. I didn't want that just to be his life. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't want it just to be that. I wanted him to be, have, like, to experience everything, you know what I mean? Not just be one-sided with everything. I guess you can say that's why. Like, even as far as what we eat. You go to my friend's house and eat everything is, like, southern black food. Like, I don't get to experience anything else. And I didn't want that for him. That's so interesting. I, I'm so glad that you're opening up because I'm learning. I know Ron's learning. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's why I'm like, and even as far as sports, like my brothers only have one or two choices: basketball, football, basketball, football. Like, what if you wanted to play soccer? What if my son wanted to golf? What if my son wanted to do play tennis? Anything like that? Like, I just wanted him to be able to make a decision based on what he wanted. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Experience life the way he. You know, you should, like, should, everything shouldn't be just one-sided, and that's how it was growing up for me. And I wish that I could have to go back and have different choices or, you know, be able to do something else. So I wanted him to be able to experience that and have that. So by placing him for adoption, you, in every sense, broke the cycle. Yeah, I can say that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, too, my family, like, like what they have, so they call generational curses. So, like every man in my family has been in prison, all of them, from my mom's brothers to her uncles to my brothers, you know. Okay. And I, I didn't want my son to go through that at all, like at all. Like I didn't want him to grow up and and be sort to like like being like gangs and all that, and end up in prison based on you know. The people that he's around and that we're learning from, which is everybody's learned from my uncles, my mom, and I didn't, and my brothers are <laughs> definitely like there's like if you could, it's like you say if you could see my my nephews, my son, my brother's sons, like my they're all like oh you can only wear red, you know, you can only do this, like and I don't want my son to just be think it's okay at three years old to be in a gang or three years old to think it's okay to carry a gun. I don't want that, so. That's what I made my decision based on that too. And I have to commend you. I think that is absolutely incredible. I think what you are saying, probably so many other women who are listening can relate to, can understand. And I think that you are 
like I said, so brave. And I think you made an incredible choice when you chose adoption for him. Uh, Are you going to stay in close contact with the adoptive parents and and continue your open adoption? Yes. Yes. I would love to see my son, like, you know, at five and at 10, whatever. I want to see how he grows up. I want to see what, what he chooses to do with his life, you know? Yeah. So, yes. And you're still getting letters and pictures every couple months, I'm sure. And yes. you can communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you'll get to see where he takes his life. That's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any advice that you have for somebody who may be in the same position as you? Maybe she's African-American and has a family that is not, you know, pro-adoption. And what, you know, what are some things that maybe she could do or say to make it a little bit better? I know you're not out of the woods yet with your family, but just looking at the situation, is there anything that you could maybe say to her or say to our listeners to help? I mean, I would say that, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we know what's best for our family. We know what we had to experience growing up. So we, oh, with that being said, like, and, and even going up just today, like, we know what we're going through. We know if we're able to take care of a child or not, you know? And, right, I mean, I know that I can take care of a child, but right now, I just, I wasn't in any, any shape to take care of him and it would have been all bad. Like, it would have been going through, I left to go to CPS, my son would have been with somebody I didn't know, and I wouldn't be able to have the chance to have an adoption, like where I can still communicate with them and still see him, because I know after CPS, and they take your kid, he's gone, right. or she's gone, you know? Right, they have those adoptions only, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way to check up on them and see if they're okay. Right. So, I think like, with that, when we're in a situation like that, that's the best decision that we can make, you know, and still be able to see our kids, you know. Absolutely. So I'll just say this, you know, you know what's best for your child, and it's up to you to make that decision, but, I mean, it's one of the best decisions that, that I've made, I think. I think it's an incredible decision, and... Lexi, I would love to have you back on again some other time for another podcast because I sure, think you have so much wisdom. And also, you're a book reader. Like, you read yeah. books all the yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. I like to read. Which is another thing that I wasn't okay with doing. But okay, great. But I remember my dad coming and taking my, my light bulbs out of my out of my room, out of my lap and saying I was reading too much. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I guess... Thank you. I can't believe that. Thank you. Yeah, like, absolutely. What were you supposed to, just out of curiosity, what were you supposed to do instead of read? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do? But I know that it, he, he, I just get in trouble a lot for reading. A lot. <laughs> so that's probably why I read a lot. One of the reasons why I read a lot. I, mean, I love to read. I've, I've always liked books more than TV or going outside. So thank you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, um, have a good rest of your day. And thank you again for joining us. Ron, do you have any last words for her? I just want to once again commend you as as Kelly's been doing. You are so strong and you made a choice for this child to help this child in their future. And I'm just blown away. You are awesome. And uh, I just want to thank you for being you. And I agree with Kelly. I'd love to have you on again periodically. I want to know how this story goes. You know, we only have the beginning of it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, Ron, it was so great hearing from Lexi today. I think 
it is women like her that can not only change perceptions about adoption, but I think that with brave women like her, we are able to help those walking the path that she's on and those that are behind her and maybe even those that are in front of her because the reassurance that she can give through her own story, I think will shed so much light on adoption in a way that other women who have gone before her and will go after her will be able to see what the true meaning and the gifts that adoption offers really are. I agree. And I am so proud to have her and feature her on this podcast because that's what it's doing. It is getting the word out there to other people who are in her situation that may be on the fence or have the same questions or the same family issues. And it might give them the strength to say, okay, this is the right choice for my baby. And I, yeah, I'm completely proud of that. If you're pregnant and considering adoption, we are here for you and understand what you're going through. We've helped hundreds of women place their babies for adoption, and we want to help you as well. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112, or you can reach us on our toll-free number at 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us. Birth Mother Matters and Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.